All right, I'm back. Welcome back. Uh, you know, so as you were stepping away and getting a beverage, you know, you I immediately heard the sound of a refrigerator, and it just sort of came. It sort of came to me, and I don't mean this in any sort of offense, but like if you really think about it, my refrigerator's not very can, far from my computer, right? And you can sort of measure someone's wealth by the distance between their computer desk and the refrigerator. Think about it. Well, yeah, because I would mean that their you have a large home room is yeah. not uh, immediately or, adjacent to the kitchen. Or the same room, as in a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah, if you, in if New you York. have money, those yeah. two things you aren't have to close walk to each other. The whole way across the house. Yeah, it would take like, you know, ten minutes. Past the study. Exactly. Past my den. <laughs> yes. The, the screening room. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it's literally behind this computer. <laughs> Straight from the Straight Red Plex, you are listening to Straight Red. I am your host, Jeff Ross, and with me, as always, a man who just today predicted that the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> will win the World Series, Alex Kibler. Alex, I don't follow baseball, as you know, mm-hmm. but that seems ridiculous to me. It would seem ridiculous to most. <laughs> I think you'll find. Yeah. Um, the Reds won today on opening day, so congratulations, Red Legs. There'll probably be another. Uh, hold on, wait, wait a second, wait. A second. <laughs> Their nickname is Red Legs. Oh, so hey, history oh, time no. with Alex. And you no. didn't even know you were opening the can. So, oh, oh my God! In post World War II America, during the height of which Mac- is technically now, yes, right? during the height of McCarthyism, Cincinnati. Reds were sort of thrown under the bus because of their name in an attempt to not be associated with the anti-communist or communist movements. They renamed themselves for about 10 years to the Cincinnati Redlegs. True story. To avoid any connotations with communism. I'm not lying. This, that's a, that's team, a real this thing. This team is not going to win a World that, Series. No. They were named the Redlegs while the Boston Red Sox existed. Yeah, you know the Boston Red Sox were named after the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Just, all of these just baseball by teams the way. are garbage. They're all garbage. <laughs> Why do they talk about their socks so much? That's what I want to know. Who decided that the part of the uniform that you really, really need to talk about is the the, the socks? That sounds like a fetish. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if the Cincinnati Reds can keep their one-game win streak going, yeah, hey, hey, uh, we're the top of the at the the rate that they're winning. Yeah, top of Central. They'll (laughs) they'll win the World Series. They'll never lose a game. One hundred sixty-two games. That would be really great, guys. I'm pulling for you. One hundred sixty-two wins. Why is baseball? Why does it go on forever? I don't know, but it does. It it goes on forever, feels like, because there's so many games. But right now, this is the most congested part of the sports year, in my opinion, is like the end of March, beginning of April, because everything is in season. We have just before, you know, we have leading into the playoffs to the playoffs in hockey. You have... You have very important late-season games in the NBA. You have opening day of baseball. You have March Madness coming to a close. Mm -hmm. You can't follow everything. It's impossible. 
the only game that doesn't play right now is football. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Everything else. And WrestleMania. Playing. And WrestleMania. WrestleMania happened. I mean, it did. John Cena <laughs> was there. Are you a big Cena fan? No, but I didn't watch WrestleMania, but I watched the clips that I got for free on WWE.com. You went to the website? <laughs> I was linked there. I, you know how you just start clicking around on the internet, and then you wind up watching late 90s wrestling videos for two hours? You know. <laughs> what? You know how that you know, goes, right? I can't, I can't uh, besmirch you. Because there's many a time where I'll fall into a Wikipedia hole. Oh my and god! All, all of a sudden, I'm reading about spy satellites. Like these yeah. are getting out of hand. Wait, did you ever read about the? There's like a some Russian radio station that's been broadcasting like an empty room for like a hundred years. Okay, that's not Russian <laughs> radio. Are you talking about station. numbers stations that like, no, they're just broadcasting? It's, uh, uh just, like broadcasting uh, cryptic series of numbers and occasionally a message and no one understands it's what it's some for. weird thing i read it oh here we go the mystery i think this is it yeah things have gone down downhill just real fast gingers google uvb 76 just google it that sounds like a band <laughs> from belgium in 1987 and they had like a one really good song and that was it yeah Everyone was like prematurely balding. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. They, they had one hit. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit about the Portland Timbers right now. They had that one championship, and now it does it doesn't look great. Gingers, you know, I give a lot of crap to your segues. Mm-hmm. That one, that was solid. Thank you, I appreciate that. That's Orlando City down. Soccer Club Quattro Portland Timbers one. How about them lions? Well, they're all. I think. I think the atmosphere was partially because of they're all. They're you know. There's not a lot of single members anymore. If you know, I heard about there. There was the lions only. Right. Ugh, the, I that, am a hundred percent positive that is an April Fool's joke. No, me too. In fact, they say it's an April Fool's joke. But the concept of a supporters only dating site. Seems like it should exist already. That's all I'm saying. But what Such a difference! A small group of people, small what group. a difference a caca makes. That's that's all I have to say about this. Oh, what a, what an interesting stance. You put caca on any team in MLS, they're going to do a lot better. <laughs> Let me tell you that they are. But he, I also think he, what he this was, says he was involved in three of those four goals. He was, and I also think, though, more importantly, what this says is the is the leaps and bounds improvement that you have seen from the rest of that team. I feel like they were searching for identity for a lot of of especially during the hot summer doldrums of last season. Um, without caca, there wasn't a lot of creative energy. But all of a sudden. You know, this team started pretty well this season without Kaká. And you put that sort of creative spark in the team, and all of a sudden these athletic runs that you're seeing being made are now supported by a true creative player playing in the middle of the park. And yes, he played a little bit more forward in this match than he does traditionally, but um, he still had plenty of room to, to, to work. And how about a, those goals? I mean, the Breck Shea goal, that's, that's, that's like a dream goal. A little one-two, smashed it, laser beam into the side netting. I love that. Amazing you gotta stuff. Recognize you got to recognize all of that all stuff. Of 
Yeah. All of you, all the time. Uh, the cacao situation in Orlando is similar uh, to the Drogba situation in, in Montreal, where you have this one player who's so far beyond everybody else, but you still have to build a good team around him. Uh, this isn't, say, MLS circa 2007 or 2008, where you might be able to actually get by with only one good player. Um, you, need, you need other people to play. But they've found, at least in Orlando, it appears, they've found a way to play without Kaká there. And now he is there, and they're even stronger. It remains to be seen with Montreal, although they can win without Drogba. Um, he's still – I know he had like a minor appearance in that Dallas game, but he's still not there full time. So we'll see how it all works out. But this is the type of game, if you're an Orlando City fan, like you've been waiting for. This is what you want to see, an emphatic Home win, uh, 30,000 plus fans in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, once again, the turf looked terrible, but the, the crowd was out in force and they got their money's worth. They really did. I do have to say, though, Portland looked bad. They, I'll tell you, I don't particularly think, I don't think it's a surprise here. They haven't had a great beginning of the season. I, I, I wonder, you know. When you play the style that Portland plays, when you basically try to clog the field with athletes, is essentially what I can I can garner for what they're trying to do. It's become very obvious to me how wanton they are for a an actual pure forward. Meaning, Fernando Adi is a tremendous athlete. He's not a striker, per se. He, he doesn't do those little things nifty around in and around the box. He can't play in those tight spaces like you see a true forward can. He doesn't have the best hold-up play in the world. And I think you're starting to see that simply putting a bunch of athletes on the field does not guarantee you wins, which I think is what, is what their strategy was for a long time. Yes, you have some technical ability, especially along the left side with Valeria and Milano, but I, I, I wonder if they're going to not regret having a pure top-class striker on this team. Now, can Jack McInerney be that guy? I don't know. Uh, he has the potential, and keep in mind, he's still a very, very young man. Um, but Fernando Adi, I think, gets criticized unnecessarily on this team a lot. He is their top goal scorer all time in yeah. their, MLS, uh, their MLS existence. And he's normally, I think, quite good for them. But, whoa, that penalty was poor. Yeah. It was very, very poor. I even made an infamous tweet about it, but everyone in the Citrus Bowl could see where that penalty was going. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take away from the save, but uh, I think a lot of people could have made that save. It was very telegraphed, um, and that's unusual for him. He's he's taken four other ones, took them very cleanly. And I was surprised that Diego Valari didn't uh, didn't take that penalty. He's yeah. often their 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 penalty taker but i do want to point this out and i don't have the quote in front of me right now but it's something that i want to point out as a difference between uh um porter caleb porter's response to a loss like this and let's say oh i don't know a jurgen klinsman response to a loss <laughs> caleb porter up front says it's my fault yeah he didn't get them prepped he didn't have the right people there and then of course he talks about hey performances weren't where they were supposed to be but fundamentally like this is my problem and my my thing to fix whereas if it was a Jurgen Klinsmann response it'd be these people aren't fit <laughs> they're not healthy uh they're not doing the thing i'm asking them to do now i'm not claiming that a coach should always take 100% of the responsibility for a loss or a win for that matter but a lot of these things about like calling people out should be done in the locker room. And I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm sure it was with Caleb Porter. When you're talking to the press, it's like, listen, 
I I fall on the sword too. Like it is your team. And I imagine that those are the players that he wants to have, even though he's not the GM there. I bet those are the players that he wants to have. Uh, and they had a poor performance, but I think they will bounce back. Um, and I don't mean to take anything away from Orlando either. They had a very, very good game. They had a very good game. But they're going to need to play like this a lot. Uh, it's a long season. This is very early. And we're going to see how it goes. But let's see what happens. Can Kaká stay healthy for the rest of the season, I think, is a big question mark. As of the time of this recording, we're still starting to wait to hear uh, the status of Kyle Laren's injury stretched off with a minor hamstring tweak early in this match. I think I think there's positive negatives to take from this. The positive is you've shown that you can dominate a team that won the MLS Cup last year without mm-hmm. Kyle Laren for half the game. But mm-hmm. certainly you're taking a tremendous goal-scoring threat off the pitch with him being injured, and, and we really, really hope that he's going to be back very soon. Well, of course, of course. And, and keeping in mind that he played the game before this, he was sick the whole game, and now he's injured and all this. Kyle Laren, what a find this young man is. What a draft pick this young man is. He has been fantastic in this league, and it's only his second season. He feels like a longtime vet just watching him play. Um, and I think he has a bright future here, but obviously wish him wish him the best uh, for his recovery, and I believe we'll see him again in Orlando. I wouldn't even be surprised if he's in the next game. Yeah, it, I, I don't think it's, it has that serious of an injury. Um, now, speaking of injuries, though, New England Revolution 1, New York Red Bulls nil. Controversy in MLS, Jeff! Oh, we have one of these every week. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just going to start announcing them like that. Controversy in MLS! Before we get deep into it, I just want to point out this is, in terms of just results, this is a great result for New England, and the Red Bulls need a lot more than this. Just yes. want to put that if, out there. If we're talking you, simply in terms of, in terms of, of results, results, yeah. This is a very good result for New England. It, All right. Very much so. I promised you a rant. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's not about, it's not, it has nothing to do with a rant. Um, you know, I think what you're looking at right now is that you have the Red Bulls below the playoff line, which. Yes, it's very, very early in the season. But yes, you expect more from the team that won the Supporters' Shield last year with with functionally the exact same squad, really. I mean, the Red Bulls have more losses than anybody else in the East right now. Mm-hmm. Those are, that's just true. I know it's early in the season, but they have three losses. They only have one win. Yeah. They need better results. They certainly do. Now, in case you were under a rock this past weekend, Ginger's... <sighs> Um, You're insulting all of our rock-dwelling listeners. Yeah, I, I heard some, some rocks are really nice. Um, the goal in this match was particularly controversial. Um, if you weren't watching, um, this match began... It, it was pretty back and forth there for a little while. Certainly, I'm not trying to contend that Red Bulls weren't in the match. They certainly were in the match. Um, the goal came uh, in... Sort of early in the second half, I'd like the 60th minute, I think, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a situation where Kamar, it was Kamar Lawrence, right, who was down in, on the back line. I believe so. Um, I uh, and f- went over with an injury, an apparent injury, sort of maybe 30 yards from goal. Um, Despite the fact that he was down injured and eventually did come off the the the, the came came off the the pitch out of the game, New England continued to play on 
and eventually scored. Now, here's here's the thing with this. <laughs> uh, it really, it really. There's a lot. There's a lot of conversations around. If a player is down, do you have to play the ball? It's certainly it's one of those unwritten rules, those unspoken rules, where in the sake of sportsmanship, if a player is down, you play the ball out of play. You allow that player to that team to get back to full strength before you sort of uh, you know resume your attack. Um, that conversation alone can be controversial. I think more importantly here, Juan Agudelo was played on side because of him being down. In other words. He was able to play a, 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 this ball. The ball was played to him functionally behind the rest of the back line because there was a guy behind the play who was down. He was onside only because of Kamar Lawrence being down behind the play. Uh, the ball was played then across the face of goal to Diego Fagundes. And, you know, the, sort of the rest is history. I really want to know what you have to say about this. This is one of those rules. Oh, interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of rules. Like baseball has a ton of rules like this. Um, they're sort of the unspoken rules of baseball. Things that you don't do. Um, certainly, especially within the English game, it mm-hmm. is expected that if a, a team is down a man, you play the ball to play and allow them to regain themselves to full strength before you you let the play continue. That clearly didn't happen here. And I've heard a lot of good arguments on both sides of this, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Oh, no. I was fully expecting for you to do the whole rant. I didn't realize. I mean, I may still rant. My two, but. my two cents. But uh, let, let me start here, Gingers. I despise unwritten rules in sports. Me too. If this is the way things should be, whatever they are, if this is the way they should be, let's write it down. Yeah. Let's make that a rule. If that's how things should be. If – it's not a rule, then it is at best a courtesy, and you are never guaranteed courtesies. Mm-hmm. You never are. That's like – here's a, an unfair comparison. This is like holding a door open for somebody, right? It is a nice gesture to hold open a door for somebody else, and you don't want to like slam a door in someone's face. That's all very true. However, there's no law requiring anyone to do this. Yeah. You do not have to hold a door open for somebody. And if someone doesn't hold a door open for you or if you don't hold a door open for somebody else, I don't think you should be carted off to jail for that, <laughs> right? I don't think a crime has happened. Um, should it still be done? Sure. I hold doors open all the time. There's a limit to this and we can get into door hold- holding some other time. Here's my issue with this specific incident. The referee should have done something. And he didn't for whatever reason. But at that point, like, that is not the New England Revolution's problem. It just isn't. It just isn't their problem. Now, I understand that there's a tradition of it, but if we went through every game tape of every MLS game ever played, I'm sure this isn't the first time that someone has not, oh, certainly not. done this. I bet this isn't, if we really looked, I wouldn't be surprised if this has already happened this year. Uh, this is the one that got a lot of hype because there was a goal. If a goal didn't happen... We wouldn't even hear about this. Well, let me ask you this question then. Does it change your opinion based on the fact that it was Kamar Lawrence down behind the play that made Juan Agadello onside that allowed this play to happen? Does that change how you feel about it? In other words... It only changes how I feel about it in the sense that the ref should have done something. Right. Okay. The ref should have done something. But if you're... I'm I'm a play-to-the-whistle guy. When it comes to any game, whatever the sport is, it's like we're going to play until they tell us to stop playing. For those of you juniors who follow football, and I imagine a lot of you do, and by that I mean the American version of the game, 
uh, you see this all the time. We're like, oh, that could have been a holding call, but it didn't happen. Well, we kept running the ball. Like, we're going to keep mm-hmm. going until we're told we have to stop. Yeah. If no one blows the whistle that you're down, like we're going to keep playing because it'll be just your luck. And it happens all the time, every year, in every sport. The call will be missed, and that's going to work out in your favor. Yeah. You can't just wait and see. That's why you never see an offending team admit that they had the handball. That never happens. Why? Because you can get away with it. That's Mm -hmm. why. And they do all the time. And then there's sometimes that you don't. And you argue about it, but you know you had the handball. (laughs) You know that happened. Or you're claiming that throw-in's yours. And we can look at the replay, and we know it's not. And you, Clearly not. No, it's not. But every once in a while, that's going to work. Every once in a while, it's going to work. Or the offside thing where you're like eight yards offside. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but every now and then. Or, you know, if you're in the MLS Cup final and you play the ball a yard out of play and still... (laughs) (laughs) For some reason. Right? And I, you I just keep playing with, instead of just I, saying, oh, I played the ball out. My fault, guys. Exactly. Exactly. And I said that for that specific game. It's like, you play to the whistle's dead. You play and people to the were whistle. complaining about it. It's like, no, nah, forget it, man. Forget it. We're taking to every inch that we can. So I understand what you're well, saying. as this you puts, should. Puts yeah. them in an onside position. But that's a ref thing. If, if this person's injured, the ref has the power to stop play. Always. He made a decision. He decided not to. I think this is also a maybe a larger referendum on the state of how diving and injuries are treated in the game of soccer. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think if we lived in a world where there was no diving and no embellishment of injuries, I think this would be a much playing. this was a much, this would be a much larger talking point. Yeah, um, it, you know, in in, in sort of the, the virgin eyes of oh that man's injured, we should probably see if he's okay. But 98% of the time when someone goes down in MLS, I don't think they're actually hurt. And it's not unique to this league. No, it's not. It in fact, it's better in this league than it is in a lot of leagues. There's some uh, leagues that I are almost impossible. To, like, I, yeah, I can't hardly watch Italian soccer or Spanish soccer, to be totally honest with you. I just can't. I, can't. I can watch El Clasico. I can do that. But like, I, I can't watch these other games, and I can't watch the Serie A. It's just, it just the, the drama of it all. <laughs> well, and, and, that, and to be totally frank with you, that's, that's, a, that's a point as well worth making that, that I take pride in the fact that a guy like Clint Dempsey, who's, who represents this country all the time, when he gets fouled, he just sort of looks pissed and stands up again, and it's like, oh, "What I the hell, it. man?" Yeah, like that's that's his love entire. It. Yeah, exactly. I wish if if that's how most people responded to being fouled or even seriously fouled when they're not actually injured. I, I've seen too many people stretch it off the pitch to run back onto the pitch, sprint Ugh. back onto the pitch twenty seconds later. Do you remember to have any sympathy for Kamar Lawrence? Now, here's the thing: he actually did get taken out of the game, and yeah, I think that, he was that's legit a, injured. That that that's a point here. But I, I think you, have but you don't know that until after the no, fact. No, of course you don't. And I think you also have this conversation when it comes down to, you know, it's it's almost like a boy who cried wolf situation. It's mm-hmm. it's that because there's so much embellishment of injuries in soccer that when this guy goes down and he's genuinely hurt, and I haven't read anything additional about his injury, but I, I think that's the real talking point here, in my opinion. Um I agree with you on that. It is a boy who qu- cried wolf situation. So, like, I'm putting all this pressure on the ref for not stopping play. But how many times, even in that match, were people flopping around on the ground and they weren't hurt? <laughs> you can't you can't stop play for everything, and you don't necessarily know. And of course, in this particular case, the man was injured. We obviously don't want anybody to be injured. 
But uh, those things are tough to tell. Those things are tough to tell when the game is happening right now. Because just imagine, if you will, Gingers, who have the opposite opinion, just imagine if the opposite scenario happened. Mar Lawrence falls down. Play is stopped. It was clear that, like, New England, they were going to score. Like, it was going to happen. The play is stopped. And then he just pops right back up. Yeah. That, that, Imagine that scenario, well, but here's which the happens I, all the time. Exactly. Like, I, that scenario happens every week. That, that, I think that's my larger point. Um, you know, you're in a situation – Kamar Lawrence has raised this topic to sort of the forefront of the MLS discussion groups right now. But this is not a new thing. This is, this is simply a side effect of a dive-happy and embellishment-happy game. Mm-hmm. Now, MLS treats this better than others, and I think we have we have a, a league where diving is at a minimum. But I also think that the nature of the great sport of football is such that this kind of thing is, it, you know, it, this is the rule. This is the world that we live in. This is not some exception, some weird happenstance that happened. You know, something I wish that we were doing more this season, which they did last season, so I'm not writing it off, is um, getting more aggressive about giving out cards for embellishment. Yes, me Remember too. Remember last season? There was a lot that? of that last season, and I really appreciated it. In fact, I think, if, if I remember correctly, our our our, our sort of sojourn to to uh, Orlando at the beginning of the season, there yeah, were two, two, cards two cards for diving in that match, if I remember correctly. We wanted them to break Shea. That's mm-hmm. that's famously uh, Andrew Jacobson screaming at Breck Shea for diving on yeah. that play. That's a very famous photograph in uh, NYCFC circles. Oh, I was going to say, to yeah. who? Uh, <laughs> was that a famous But so photograph? here's the thing. My, my only my only real talking point here, and my only real gripe here is is Jesse Marsh daring to pretend that if he wasn't on the opposite end of this, that he would not have taken that goal 100% of the time. Oh, come on, don't, Jesse. Don't give me this whole holier-than-thou crap. You're not, you're holier than thou you're not you are holier than thou only because it happened to you. You would yeah. do it to any other team in the league any second of the day every week. You, you would take that chance 10 out of 10 times. You would take that goal 100%. Oh. And you I know what? It's points. And if you're, if you're New England Revolution and you squeak into the playoffs by two points... I still would would let Kamar Lawrence lay on the ground. I don't give a cap. I don't give. A, I don't oh, care. No, 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 no. So like Jesse Marsh, I, I don't know why. He, well, I do know why he said that. It happened to his team, and he's pissed. Yeah. Uh, but I bet if we and we do not have the resources to do such a thing, but if we looked at every Jesse Marsh game that was ever that he ever played in, I bet there are incidents where he kept playing. And one can make an argument that they should have played the ball out and they got an advantage in some fashion. Well, I I'm would sure say this happened. More importantly, if Jesse Marsh can, can look at us straight in the face and say, no one on my team that I've coached has ever embellished an injury ever, then well, we can have this conversation. Yeah, I don't believe I, – I would call him a liar to his face. Yeah, exactly. So as long as no you condone the embellishment of injuries on your team, this is what you get. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rant Long story over. short, if you're hurt, be hurt. Yeah. <laughs> be legitimately hurt. Oh, my goodness. So I was a bit surprised by this. I know you weren't as much by the Sporting KC uh, RSL result where RSL wins 2-1 to one, uh, in Kansas. Yeah, that's, that's a hell of a result. I, I tell you, th- there might not – by the end of this season, there might not be any more impressive result than your team getting an away win in uh, – Mercy Park in Kansas City. Oh, also, uh, 
like half of RSL starters are hurt or serving a suspension right now. Yeah. So that like isn't even the team that beats Sporting Kansas City. That isn't even their first choice team. Yeah. I, I, I do think that, you know, I still think that Kansas City are going to be one of the teams to beat in the Western Conference. They but I, I've also good. talked about how I think that RSL has been dramatically improved this offseason. And I think this result shows their tenacity and their ability to sort of hang around in games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, RSL, by all intents and purposes, had an abysmal last season. Last season did. for RSL was lackluster and subpar by every measure of, th- of those words. <laughs> uh, you expect Start more measuring, of a, you folks. Well, you just got so used to RSL being a constant, I don't know if, if, if front runner is the right word, but a constant nuisance and a constant threat in the West. Mm-hmm. You always mm-hmm. hated playing RSL, and that was certainly not the case uh, last season. But I think it's, it's, it's the increased um, performance of of guys like Plata and Mulholland that are really starting to say, you know what, these two guys are going to take this team on their shoulders. And then you have a guy like Hiram Offsissian who comes back into the, into the fold who can score those sort of weird That's goals huge. out of nowhere. Euro coming back is huge. It is huge. And I think, I think they're starting to play with a little bit more confidence, which was certainly lacking last season. I put uh, Jeff Kesar in my preseason hot seat for coaches. Yeah. He seems to be responding well. He does. He seems to be responding well. Yeah. Uh, he he heard your challenge and, and uh, is stepping up to the plate, Jeff. Stepping up to the plate. He said, you this know is, Jeff Ross, I'm not going to abide by that. Not going to abide by it. Not going to abide by Never. it. Never. It's a Jeff club. We have to yeah. keep each other in check. Uh-huh. Um, this is a great win for them. And unlike in the Orlando-Portland game where I felt Portland played poorly, I don't think Sporting Kansas City played poorly. They were just... There was a better team. Like there was, someone did better than they did, um, but I, I don't think they had an especially bad game uh, performance-wise. They just didn't get the results that they were looking for. Also, the Sky Cam. I don't know if you watched this game, but the uh, Gingers, uh, the Sky Cam is very entertaining. I'm easily entertained. I was very entertained by the Sky Cam. So, what's the rule if a ball like hits the Sky Cam? Oh, they released what the whole thing is. There is a rule. I don't. I should have. If I was a professional, I would have had this information in front of me. They, the the two teams had an agreement about what happens if the ball hits one of those Sky Cam wires or whatever. Uh, and I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but a decision was made. They did consider that. Um, but I, I I was very entertained by the Sky Cam viewpoint. Apparently. Sporting Kansas City, the whole sporting organization has spent an incredible amount of money updating all of their like camera angles and stuff at the park. That's why when you watch a sporting game, you're like, "Oh, this seems electric." It's because they got all this, they got all this stuff. They got all, all kinds of toys. They there. spent money on stuff. They did. Hey, the fans show up. All right, it works. This they is a team that, that used to play in a baseball park. Something you may, might know about. Uh, yeah, they were they were struggling for a long the time. Whiz. Wiz, Kansas City Wizards. They beat Manchester United. <laughs> that was the big turning that point happened. for this franchise. Was that Peter Vermees' first season? I, I think, think it so. was. Yeah. They beat Manchester United. I think they were at Arrowhead for that game because they were all Manchester United fans. Um, and I think those people now show up, by the way, at Children's Mercy Park. I think those are now Sporting Kansas City fans. I just say one, one more thing about uh, this match, and that is that 
RSL has the pieces. You know, essentially what they 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 conceded more than sixty percent of possession to Kansas City in this match. You know, I think what it, it their their stance when they go on the road, and I think it could wind up working out for them really well. Is all right, we're going to defend this game like crazy. We're going to clog up the midfield. We're going to play with ten players behind the ball, mm-hmm. and you have to break us down. And then we have the the athleticism and the technical ability to beat you on the counter. I think that's what you saw, and I think you have individual skill now. You know, Jao Plata has always had that a little bit of a flair for the dramatic, but when you bring Yuramov Sissian back in, and you couple that with Luke, uh, Luke Mulholland, who is really starting mm-hmm. to have himself a season, I think they could they could get results against a lot of teams. Very, very entertaining to watch, which yeah. was not a thing we said about no, RSL last they, year. No, they were awful to watch last year. They're so I think awful. I think... I think Jeff Kasar has started to say, okay, these are the tools that I have. How can I best employ them? And I think he might be onto something with this this sort of style. I really think he is. So we had some other games. Yeah, let's just go to quickly go through the rest of the scores uh, in the league last night there, Gingers. Last uh, night? Last night, sorry. last This past weekend. Yeah, what are you talking about? I was watching WrestleMania last night. Chicago <sighs> won Philadelphia Union nil. Surprised, Chicago. I was surprised yeah, by this. and I, you know, for me, I, I, I do think that Philly, you know, despite the fact they didn't have possession, I think they, generally speaking, I would say they had the better chances of the two teams. I, I, I personally think that Philly is going to be fine. Chicago has athleticism, and and I would say that despite all the quality that Philadelphia has added this offseason, a team like Chicago can run around a team like Philadelphia. Uh, and I think that you saw that. So I, I, I'm not super down on Philly despite this loss. Chicago, it's it's actually a pretty good home field advantage that they have there. So kudos on my future property, the Chicago Fire. Getting <laughs> there, it getting is. Some, I was surprised. I was surprised that, that Chicago yeah. won. I was surprised that Chicago won. I thought they. I think they looked it looked like a draw. I thought it was going to be a couple more weeks before Chicago got a W. Yeah. Um, but important to note that the goal came after Philly had a red card. So. Yeah, not they were not at full strength. Uh, Colorado won Toronto nil. Taka also a goal that came immediately following a red card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, a perfectly justified red card. Uh, Benoit Sheru got two yellow cards in the Just- first like ten minutes or something, and they were both. Frankly, here's the thing: you go in pretty, you go in studs up, step on a guy's leg, you get a, a yellow card in like the tenth minute or something. And then two minutes later, your elbow is like a heat-seeking missile on a ball on an aerial ball that you're trying to win out of the air. What do you think is going to happen? Also, this is the year that MLS has said they're cracking down on all of this. They're throwing out red cards for fun. And my thing <laughs> is, too, Ishmael Elfaf, too, Papa don't take no mess. You know what kind of game you're going to get. Papa don't take no mess. You know what kind of game oh. you're going to get when he's... In in the yellow shirt, you know what kind of game you're going to get. So oh, wow. I, I think I think and he gave him a warning. He said, "Listen, you got to calm down, and you're you're out of here." And then he leads and he throws an elbow. You and have to, you you're have gone. To. You're gone. You have to well, send him off because then if you don't, then your words mean nothing. I think that's yeah. good refereeing. 
I think it was. I think it was. I know there's been a lot of complaints about the number of cards, especially reds, coming out. But I, I have the same sense that Alexi Lawless has on this particular issue that, like, you were all told this. Like, all the teams were told this. All the players were told this. If they're not coming in here ready to do it, like, this is on you. This is exactly what they said was going to happen. Uh, Toronto, I thought they'd actually have more points right now than they do on this very extended uh, away run that they're doing. But four points, four games, I thought they'd have more like five or six. Well, right the interesting now. thing. But it's going to improve for them. The interesting point about this, too, is that if it, it, you don't really have to watch the game. Just go watch the highlights for this. You know, Sebastian Javinko had three or four free kicks after they went down uh, a man early on in this match. They could have maybe even won this game. Sebastian Javinko is going to single-handedly win them games this year simply from free yes. kicks. He did it last season. He did. Yeah, he's um, going to do it again. He didn't do it this game, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden that skill is missing. You you saw a goal that was absolutely uh, sort of quivering with fear when Sebastian Javinko was over the ball. Um, so for me, I, don't don't get down on yourself, Toronto, if you're a Toronto FC fan. But at the same time, at some point, the, the results have to follow the individual skill that you're showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, FC Dallas won. Columbus Crew won. You don't see it in the scoreline, but Columbus almost stole this one. Yeah. They Chances, were up for most of this match. They, they, were, were, they were annoying FC Dallas the whole game. Yeah, and I would also say, here's the thing. Dallas, being Dallas created plenty they took 21 shots in this match ridiculous um tesho akindeli late in the second half with Mm -hmm. the lone goal for the home side i you know here's the thing this is a tremendous result for columbus i think this is exactly what you need to do you score early you hang Mm -hmm. on hang on i mean especially away from home yeah and the thing is too as well like yeah do you think you're gonna get out of here with a win i mean like when you go up you always sort of hope for that but at the same time Mm -hmm. You did the exact right thing in securing that road point, which going to Dallas and getting a road point is almost like getting a win. It's a good result. I'm sure they felt terrible because they went up at what, like the seventh minute? They went up it was really very early. early, yeah. Very, very early. And, and they it's worth mentioning as well. A, a lot of the, ch- the, the chances that Dallas, I think this happens to Dallas a lot where they're so electric that. They get into a remotely good shooting position and and they 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 take the shot. They had I'm actually let me pull up the heat map here. I'll tell you exactly. Hang on, uh, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen. They took fourteen shots from outside the eighteen yard box. Mm-hmm. Fourteen of their twenty one. Two thirds of their shots they took from at least twenty to twenty two yards away. My thinking is, you know, and then you look, you look at the shots that Columbus Crew took, and only one of them was outside the 18-yard box. I think if Dallas had just a little bit more patience in the final third, they would be almost unbeatable. And, mm-hmm. and, and generally speaking, they're not. They, they get in these great positions, and they're so amazing on the counterattack, and you can't, you can't fault them for this because they have the athletes. But Meanwhile, oh, go ahead. But... Just slow the game down when you know you have the time, and you're going to win almost all your games, Dallas, really, seriously. Meanwhile, your favorite club, the Seattle Sounders of Seattle, Washington, yeah. won 
They One did. Against Montreal. So they got a victory. And from the person that you're looking for, Clint Dempsey scored that goal. Yeah. And it wasn't the most attractive goal in the world. But hey, they all count. They all count. There's That's no the pictures Josie on Altador the scorecard. Motto. Exactly. They all yeah. count. Hey, they all count. Hey, comma. They all count. Um, so for me, I think, I think Seattle, more than anything, needed this just for their confidence. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And and don't don't be disheartened, Montreal, for how you played. I think I think Montreal were very much in this match. If you if you go and watch the highlights, um, but at the same time, yes, you got a goal from Clinton Dempsey that wasn't the most attractive thing in the world. But at the same time, you you didn't exactly boss the other team out of the park here. I, Montreal had several chances. They had four shots on goal, um, and arguably were the better team for a lot of this match. Um, I still think that you have to you have to figure out how best to now. Interestingly, they played Clint Dempsey in the midfield for this match, Which um, is and I think my thing is is that they you know when you had the Oba and Dempsey show, get the ball to one of them and those two will just combine and they'll score goal and score you a goal. But I think yeah, that they don't have that anymore. First and foremost, you were seeing Clint Dempsey out on an island not getting service. And you would frequently see him sort of floating back to try to get the ball, even like near the center circle. Um, so for me, this is an attempt to get your best player more involved with play. And I don't mind it. You know, he played quite a bit of midfield during his stint in England. He, he was not an out-and-out out forward when he was at Fulham. So I, I think if, if you can get good play out of Clint Dempsey, who gives a crap what position he's playing? Very true. Now, this is a game I don't really want to talk about, but Vancouver nil, L.A. nil. You look at that scoreline, you say, <laughs> that's not that bad. L.A. played a man up for about an hour yeah. and still couldn't get it done. Welcome to my nightmare, Jeff. Ugh, Can't yeah, get feel, results a man like up. I feel a city fan right now. Yeah, yeah. It's not great, is it? This is it's what it's like to be city, feeling. by it's the way. feeling. And uh, I mean, at least Bruce Arena was aware, like, hey, we played poorly. We played really, really poorly. And Vancouver, all credit to them, they played fantastic at home. They played fantastic. They didn't allow uh, L.A. to get anything to happen. But here's the stat, Gingers, and it pains me to admit to this, but L.A. has not won a road game since August of last year. We talk about this every season, and every season – I think it, it's, you know, this might be the year that they really, they figure out how to get those results on the road. Nope. <laughs> you can't win in Major League Soccer. How could you be a dynasty? You can't be. Like, you what they kind of are, right? Well, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. You know, they you probably said that last home. year, too. Yeah, they had poor away form, and they, that's how they... Well, it probably how, didn't how did cost them, but my how thing did, is... Yeah. My thing is, you know, you're only a year and a half removed from an MLS Cup title. And oh, this is unacceptable. You didn't have great away results in that season either. I, I don't I don't think it's the end of the world if if the LA Galaxy can't win away from home as long as they just lock the game down and dominate away from home. Now, here's the thing. I don't think I don't I think it was more that you had pure dominating performances at home and and here's the thing I, I actually think that this lineup is not performing to the level that they need to be to really contend in the west i don't think that they might i think they're going to struggle to really be in the the mls cup conversation this season considering how players like geo and 
um, Gerard have started this season. And here's the thing. Robbie Keane has bailed them out single-handedly so many times. This is going to hurt them. Robbie Keane had knee surgery. Yeah. He's out for four to six weeks. Yeah. That's going to be a problem. Right. This so, match in Vancouver had none of their DPs playing. Gio wasn't there. Steve Gerard wasn't there. And Robbie Keane, who's out four to six weeks. Uh, Robbie Keane is a difference maker. I completely agree with you. Um, worth every penny that he's being paid. These other guys, question marks, whether they're worth the pennies or not. Uh, but if we look even at this match, even without the stars, LA was leading in almost every statistical category except the one that counted. Goals. They didn't get any. Yeah. They didn't get any. And, and, and that's, that's, that's not what you want to see. That's not what you want to see. Uh, this is assuming, of course, you're an LA Galaxy fan. If you're not, this is exactly what you want to see. They're beatable away from home. Yeah. And th- th- that's no way to win an MLS Cup. I don't, I don't care. You have to have some kind of performance away from home. Yes, they walked away with a point. They really should have had three. This was set up for them to have three. You're up a man for an hour. You still can't get it done. Goodness. San Jose won. DC won. Alex Kibler, thoughts? I think that, well, first of all, kudos to everyone who goes to Avaya. They don't always have the best attendance in the world, but that is a tremendous atmosphere that they have in that stadium. This one was sold out, by the way. It was sold out. It was a great crowd. You could really hear them on TV. So kudos to you guys. If we ever come to the, the West Coast, we'll totally, I would love to go see a game at Avaya. Um, you ever been to Stump Up Center? We should hit the no. whole coast. We should, we should do, do the, the whole, whole West Coast for like two weeks. We'll f- do the whole thing. Sounds perfect. We'll figure that out. I have no money. Um, <laughs> uh, it might be me too soon. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I, I personally th- feel like this is one of those games, you know, DC is so dangerous through the air. Now, normally not from a guy like Patrick Nyarko who got the end of this, of the end of this cross. Virginia Tech product, by the way, Patrick Nyarko. But oh, I also think – but I also think – You know, San Jose, this to me felt a lot like watching New York City play, meaning everything about this match in terms of how it felt and how it looked on the pitch lent to the, to, a, may, a big, big, big home win, but then you were sort of scrapping until the very end of the match to even get a draw at home. 88th minute. 88th If you minute go and watch this match. And you didn't see any of the actual chances. You would say, "Well, I bet San, you know, San, the the earthquakes. They 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 uh they won this match. Maybe what three three four three four to one, maybe something like that." No, you, 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 despite the fact that they had the the biggest part of the run of play for a lot of the match, they left it late. You got to put really your chances did. away. They really did, and this is the kind of match that traditionally is a Wando match. This is where yeah, Wando exactly. comes up big. And get some win for him. Didn't happen. Yeah, but here's the thing. You, you have to build a team that can live in a world where Wando doesn't do that. Like, you, you can't just rely on Wando to come and save you every time. And, and I really hope, and I'll admit I don't follow the San Jose's front office dealings as closely as I follow some other teams, but I really hope that they are finding a player or players to replace him. Wando's getting old. He's getting old. Yes, he'll be around for several more years, but he's getting old, and you're going to need a replacement. And yeah. I don't know who that is right now. I, I would have some concerns, but I'm not a San Jose fan, so it's fine. Uh, Alex, yes, we got some news around the league. Uh, we, we have a, a few things. I, I think first and foremost, um, if you're a loon, 
like we are. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm considering it. <laughs> Listen, if you're a Minnesota United fan, you've got to be excited about the news that the tax breaks that are necessary have passed in the what is it the city council or is it the state legislature that have basically oh, I have to double check I don't to know. basically allow the construction of a stadium in St. Paul, Minnesota, meaning all of a sudden you have a place to play. This I I feel like Minnesota United are going to instantly come into the league and be like a Portland Timbers, meaning they're going to come in, they're going to have a great fan base. They're going to have a good stadium situation that has a great home atmosphere. They've got all the components. They're in really good shape right now. Um, they already have a good fan base in the NASL, which uh, started again this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota lost their opening game, but they scored the first goal. So good for them. First goal of the season. Um, I think they're going to be in a very, very good situation. I do feel very badly for every MLS player that's going to have to come and play in Minnesota outside in March. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. It's going to be horrible. It probably won't even get good until like May. And it frankly. was the state legislature, by the way, the Minnesota the State Senate Tax Committee was what approved this. So, I mean, good for them. For the uh, and if Gingers, if you haven't seen the renderings of the stadium, it does look good what they're trying to do. And I hope they're actually able to pull that off. I want to make a quick note since they're currently a lower division team. And I just want to get your thoughts on this, Alex. The NASL uh, over the weekend. Uh, over the past couple of days, announced two new partners, new media partners. They have BN Sports and CBS Sports Network are going to cover games in the spring and fall season, respectively. Alex, I know you're not, you don't watch these games, but is this good or bad? I think it it can be nothing but good. My my. my my I love worry, your exasperated sigh. No, yeah. My worry and my concern is that it, it, it really has very little to do with with um, the fact that NASL is getting publicity. I think that can be nothing but positive for soccer. But I, I, I feel like having a commissioner for NASL who genuinely believes and wants his team to be equal to or even maybe usurp MLS as the premier federation in america is bad i what i mean when i say that is we all need to be in this together mls nasl usl need to understand where they fit in this league yes it makes it very very you know it's really nice to be able to to, to pitch to your investors that you might have a chance of being the biggest team in North America. But it's not good for soccer in North America to do that. You're splitting your resources. Bill Peterson has basically said that he, he, he wants to basically be another Tier 1 league. And I name a sports league that that has ever worked in, ever, having two first division leagues. The AFL, they merged with the NFL, and then they all became the same league. Right, so exactly. That's one. Well, no, <laughs> that's but, one. But, but here's worked. the thing: that, that worked. That worked. You no, asked for it didn't. one that worked. That one worked. That worked. That's, that's, that's why work. we have a Super Bowl. No, that's why the Super Bowl exists. The same thing happened with the ABA. This is one of those things where 
Yes, wow. if okay. you want to be is not equivalent to the the AFL. No, Come it's on. not. I agree with Come you on. that it's not. But but I also say that you have a, a lower league who makes a big who makes a stand and they make a point and then they get bought up anyway. So what I'm saying is we all know what's going to happen. There's going to be one unified league. Can we not just figure out some way to play ball that this conflict doesn't happen? Because there are going to be there are going to be careers that are ruined because they invested in the wrong team in the wrong league. So for me, I if if NASL was perfectly content being the tier two soccer league in this country, I, I think this could be nothing but a positive. But my worry is that it's going to give people leverage to try to say, "Hey, MLS, we're just as good as you," and I. I just don't see that ending well. Uh, respectfully disagree, of course. So uh, where I can meet you is TV deal. That's good for soccer. Yeah, I'm man. glad that they have the TV deal. That's fantastic. Um, I think it is fantastic to have lower leagues that are ambitious. And if they can do better than MLS can, then more power to them. So in, in my world, it's like this can be done. The weird thing that Bill Peterson talks about is possible. Is it going to happen? I highly doubt it. I highly, highly doubt that it's going to happen. But I'm not going to fault someone for trying. If they want to put their money behind getting the right players and getting the right uh, advertising and getting the right everything and making this thing happen, then I think that's good for the overall competitive product. MLS doesn't pay me. NASL doesn't pay me. None of these people pay me. So I'm for whoever's going to get me the most entertainment. That being said, I watched the BN Sports broadcast that came on. It was not entertaining. <laughs> they need to uh, they need to step up that game a little bit. One of the broadcasters couldn't even pronounce one of the players' names. So like there there were some issues. <laughs> there are some issues that need to be worked out. But I believe we're in the early days. If they can make this happen, and as you know, Ginger, so I mentioned it on this podcast, and I'll even tell it to your face, I believe that there is a future of this league that's going to look like MLS 1, MLS 2, potentially MLS 3, where all of these are literally the same corporate structure, but they're at the different layers in the pyramid. And that is how, if there's ever going to be promotion or relegation, that is how it's going to happen. So I'm hoping for, as weird as it sounds, an AFL-NFL situation where the lower league, whether it's an ASL or USL, I don't really care, but a lower league will become successful enough and big enough and have enough of a following that some other situation will have to be worked out because where alex is right and i will give you this much credit is you can't truly have two top tier leagues that's not going to happen that's not going to fly uh u.s soccer isn't even going to be even going to certify two leagues to be the top leagues but if they can get their league with enough following and enough attention and enough tv and enough eyeballs and enough whatever to make it like oh this is actually a competitive thing I think that is for the best. But that's not happening tomorrow. And that's not happening a year from now. That's going to happen for several years. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but I think it's all good. And I think in the end of the day, it is good for fans. I would love if we had more interleague games than we have. It's only the U.S. Open Cup. I would love other championships and other titles to play for. Uh, it's all entertaining for me. And I think it makes our players better and it makes our coaches better. And if there's more opportunities to play professionally in the United States, that is better for the ultimate U.S. men's soccer talent. Thank you. God bless. Jeff Ross. 
2020, a clear vision for Brighter Tomorrow. Vote for me. <laughs> I was That's with you until eligible. you started stumping there on the end of that whole action. Here's That's the thing. That's be eligible to run for president. A lot of what you just said I agree with. I, I just – my – and and like I said, I don't have any problem with the with the the TV deals. I think that's tremendous. And I also think that if if this expansion goes the way of the AFL and we're all one big happy family, sweet, perfect, amazing. I would love that. But I also I also think that right now the last thing we need to be is divided in the vision and the eyeballs and the sort of the implementation of top flight soccer in America. And if there becomes a team or a league that decides, hey, I'm going to challenge the status quo, it could do two things. Yes, it could make the entire league stronger. It could make it could make the quality on the field stronger because people are more willing to invest. I, I can see that that could be the case. I can see that point. But it could also be bad. And so my thing is, is that I would love an MLS 1, 2, and 3 like you just described. I just want to make sure that everyone on board is cool with that idea. And right now, the NASL is the outlier here. USL is cool on being a third-tier team. They're cool with that. They understand the nature of their their existence. NASL are too big for their britches in terms of what they want. Oh, I, I love the ambition. I love it. They, but, sh- they should want the no, whole pie. As an American, I kind of love it too. But my thing is too— oh, I love it. I'm not so crazy that I think that soccer is now unkillable in America. It's very much killable in America. Let's oh, not absolutely. For, let's not forget the the way that soccer failed the first time in America, and that's that you spread yourself too thin too fast. Yeah, and it so was overspending and spreading too thin too fast. And but so here's for me, why I have more faith in this time around. You have a controlled. Budget in MLS, whereas in ASL still does not. We'll see which one pans out. Because what killed it was the overspending. MLS, by its very design, will not overspend. That's how it's structured. It can't. If the NASL wants to, you know, load up on a bunch of debt and drive themselves out of business, then they'll fail. But if they fail, that doesn't take MLS down with them. Those two things aren't connected, is what I'm getting at. But if they succeed, I think that's for the best. And maybe the environment in the United States has changed. That's me. I know you disagree. We'll never meet in the middle. But if the NASL wants to give me that check for promoting them yet again, (laughs) more than welcome to at any time. Alex. All I'm saying is we're both for the promotion and the increase in popular culture recognition for soccer in this country. I just want to make sure that we don't get ourselves in trouble by inviting too many people to the table. That's all I'm saying. Sounds like a good party to me. There is a bad party going on. <laughs> yeah? And Tell US me about it. U.S. soccer. The is U.S. It? women's national team are saying, <sighs> hey, we're not getting paid enough. Now, Alex, you know I can rant on this for hours. Yeah. I'm going to give you the, fir- I'm gonna give you the first, first swing at this. So... They they put the uh, they filed a complaint with the I believe it's the Equal Opportunity Commission, saying that there is a significant pay disparity between what the U.S. women's national team players are getting paid and what the U.S. men's national team players are getting paid, and the disparity is almost a hundred percent. It's significant. So for me, I, le- we have to be very specific here. 
Um, meaning, I don't want to ruffle any feathers when we talk about this. Uh-oh. Let me be very specific. If we are talking about compensation, it, it, not just monetarily, but in terms of like um, rooms and planes and that kind of thing, I think it's un-American to not demand equal payment for the women's team, for the male team, especially because the women's team has actually won something. First of mm-hmm. all, if we're if this is a meritocracy, the men should be out on their asses right now. To be totally honest with you, um, now now here's the thing: you can make whatever argument you want to make around women's soccer as a commodity and how well it sells, and then how much of that cut does each individual player demand. You can have that conversation from a capitalistic perspective if you would like. But my point is, if you're paying people to represent the United States of America. One of these teams has won something. It's not the dudes. Pay them. I also think this is completely shameful and completely un-American. This is not how you treat champions. Are you kidding me? They just came off a World Cup victory, their third World Cup victory. They're also defending their gold medal in the Olympics. And guess what? The men aren't. We can't even qualify. Mm. Right, we're sh- the, the, the women are showing up and they're winning things. But it's not only that. And I know you hinted at it, and I totally understand your stance of like just meritocracy alone, they should be paid more. But here's the thing that really, really grinds my gears, Gingers. The U.S. women's soccer program runs a profit of almost $20 million. Mm-hmm. The men's soccer team runs a loss I believe it's two or three million dollars. What possible justification could there be for not paying these women? The money exists. This isn't even like, and I've heard these arguments before about disparities in pay between uh, male athletes and female athletes. A lot of times what people hone in on, and I'm not saying it's a bad argument, it's like, well, the money's not there. The money's not at the gate. People aren't coming to see it. People aren't, you know, buying the jerseys. They're not doing all this stuff. Uh, we can't justify paying these people a higher wage because the money doesn't exist. It seems like the money exists here, Alex. Yeah, it does. It seems like they have it. I just I don't understand what U.S. soccer stance is. And they're champions. They win. They sell out. You can, you can send the women's team any place. They're going to play in Hartford soon. You can send them anywhere. They're going to have a very good crowd. It's going to show up. Americans support them. They'll watch on TV. They'll clearly buy the jerseys. They'll do the whole thing. What, why is this happening? It's upsetting to me. Well, my point is, too, as well. Let, let, let's be very clear here. I don't actually have these numbers in front of me, but the U.S. women's national team has either very co- come very close to having the same attendance as the men's national team on home soil this season, th- this calendar year, or even the last year from right now, or maybe they, they might have even outdrawn the men's national team on U.S. soil. So... Any argument you want to make around the commodity is not there, the, the people aren't there, the money is not being made, but that's bupkis. That's ridiculous. You can they make an money. argument against the various women's leagues that have populated this, this country for the last few years. You can make an argument how, yes, there's not a lot of money to be made in those, so how can they be paid properly? But if we're talking about the women's national team, which has sold out you know, Bush Stadium in St. Louis, which is like 50-some thousand people... 
Pay him. Pay him. I, pay him. I, I just, I don't understand. And I think it's, this isn't the first time this has come up. This is not the first time this has come up. This is the first time there's been legal action about it. But it should never have come to this. Just do the deal. I don't – well, what I think the point is or I think what U.S. soccer is trying to do is they're the only game in town. These mm-hmm. people don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, it's a captive um, audience basically. They have a captive audience and like the NWSL doesn't pay them enough anyway. And it, unlike uh, – this is a now a more obscure problem. It's a problem the WNBA has. And there's a salary cap in the WNBA. The most you can make is about $100,000. But you can go play in Europe and get paid millions. You can't do that for soccer. Yeah. These are your best wages anyway. So they sort of they got you they got you got you screwed, really. And that's why the legal action happens. But I don't understand why I came to this. It's like just pay them. Well, my just thing is, yeah, you can there's so many arguments you can make back and forth in, in many different ways and interesting arguments you can make in terms of like the validity of of, you know, this sport as a as a sports commodity on television in, in the various people leagues watch, and what people show up. But here's the thing. If we're talking about these players playing for the USA in USA kits, the Man, money's there. The money's there. That, that's the thing that I'm not saying that the equal pay argument doesn't have its own stance, and obviously it does. But like, there isn't even the capitalistic argument. This and these yeah, numbers, exactly. gingers. These aren't numbers that like, oh, I got from a lawyer someplace. This is U.S. soccer's numbers. This is from their financial filing. They're telling us this is the money that they make or don't make. And meanwhile, the men's team, which is running at a loss, uh, a loss that is almost equal to Jurgen Klinsmann's salary, just putting it out there. This is a team <laughs> that is struggling to to handle Guatemala, a team that's ranked 90th in the in the in the world. You know, they they can't qualify for the Olympics. The first time back to back, we've missed the Olympics in decades. Uh, we're struggling here to just qualify for the World Cup. Like, and we're running at a loss, and everyone nods their head and says, that's fine. These men should be paid, but they should be paid. And I'm not trying to fight that wage. I'm saying the women should be paid the same wage. And the money exists. Right. It exists. There's nothing coming out of my pocket, your pocket, or anybody else's, because frankly, we already paid the money. All I have to say, Ginger, is to leave it on this. This is a team that has four gold medals, three World Cups. The lowest they've ever been ranked in the world is second. How do they not deserve to be paid? That's what I want to know. The last thing we want to mention this week, Gingers, before we get to one little piece of ginger mail. Um, Chelsea Football Club. Mm, heard of them. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty big deal, I think you're going to find. Has appointed Italy boss Antonio Conte as their next manager beginning this offseason. Gingers. If you followed the rumor mill the last little bit, mm-hmm. you know that Antonio Conte is very keen on one Mr. Sebastian Javinko. Jeff, could this mean everyone's favorite atomic ant is leaving the league? It could. It could. And I'll tell you what, though. If I'm Toronto, I'm the Toronto Brass. If Chelsea's really going to put up some money, and they can, they have that Russian oligarch money, they can put up whatever you want they're gonna put up the money you let them go you let them go it's gonna be tough for toronto to not have sebastian javinko but if they're gonna say you know four million five million six million ten million dollars they're not gonna give ten but but if they're gonna put up money like that you'd be foolish not to do it and i think it would be a good sign as much as it 
the Toronto fans probably aren't going to like it at the time. It would be a good sign for the health of the league uh, on, the, on the larger standpoint because now when you go and try to convince a young player in Europe or South America or wherever to come to MLS and they're hesitant, you could just say, like, look, you could be somebody on the outside looking in in your national team. You come here, become a superstar, you can go play for Chelsea. This could be your stepping stone. And you may be able to get people who are like 24, 25, 26 uh, coming in the league. Not that we don't now. But there is this big question mark. One, it's a rumor anyway. But this big question mark, does Sebastian Javinko want to go? That's an interesting point. I, you know, Going back to what you just said, though, I'm sure that there's going to be people who maybe who even listen to this show who feel like, yeah, but he should stay here and and – Listen, if if your league has gone from being an afterthought to a league where players go to try to prove themselves that they can be on the best teams in the world, how is that anything but an improvement? Don't 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 get uppity now, Ginger, no. is what I'm saying. Don't get no. uppity in terms of oh gosh, but but we're good enough to keep here's the thing. Javinko, he's the best player in the league. It's not even close. He's the player with the most upside in the league, strangely as well. If he leaves to go to, to Chelsea, it can't be anything other than a positive. I mean, this is a league we just sent Matt Miazga to Chelsea, who got his starting minutes. Congratulations uh, to Matt Miazga. I feel like we're going to see more of these moments, and I think that's good. Yeah. The, the time when I would get concerned, frankly, is like five, six, seven years in the future, where all we're doing is selling and where no one's coming in. Like, that would be bad news. If that just we're just losing talent all the time, but what it looks like they're trying to build is that two way street. So you have people going out. You can say to anybody, any agent, any place, like, "Hey, your guy comes here. It's no longer this death sentence, this retirement death sentence. That your your career's done, and you, you this is this is your life now." Instead, it can rejuvenate. So keep in mind, Sebastian Javinka was out of the Italy national team talk. Yes, he was at Juventus, which is a huge club, but he wasn't playing. He wasn't getting minutes. Comes in, gets paid a ridiculous amount of money. Still, I think, an obscene amount of money that they paid Javinko. Um, he comes in, he does very well. He gets back into the national team talk, which is why Conte even knows who he is to begin with, because uh, he's actually called Javinko in. And if you end up going to Chelsea, this is fantastic. The question mark, though, I keep having is, like, does Sebastian Javinko want to leave? If he stays in MLS another season, like another full season, he can grab the golden boot again. <laughs> he absolutely can. He could he could take this team deeper into the playoffs. Possible. I still don't think this is an MLS Cup winning team, but he could take them deeper into the playoffs. But the biggest question mark about does he want to leave is is Chelsea going to pay him what Toronto's paying him? Because I think Toronto's overpaying Javinko, even though I think he's great and he's good for the league. Is that what Chelsea's going to pay? Well, the real question becomes then, in the mind of a player like uh, Sebastian Javinko, would you rather be overpaid in America or paid fairly in the top league in the world? So that, 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 ra- that's the more fascinating question, I think. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of players would rather be play, uh, paid fairly in the top league in the world, if you're the age Javinko is. Yeah, but I would also say this. If you're an MLS fan, you hope that the—I the, the I would love— if the perception of MLS went from the world's retirement league to the world's springboard, that's that's progress. Yeah. That's you, progress. You you look up and you're similar in many respects to like the Dutch league. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is where we're like, we train I would them. I love that. They get their minutes. They get really good. They get snatched up by they, Inter. They get or, snatched yeah. up. They go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exciting stuff. One piece of ginger mail. And, and actually, I'm not going to read it sort of outright. Uh-oh. Last week, uh, we read something from our good friend Thaddeus Walcott, who's a longtime ginger. And he was, he was telling Great them, name, by the way, Thaddeus. Yeah, and, and he was telling us about the teams that he wants. Did you remember Ross County and Arsenal and Celta Vigo and yeah, all those kinds of things? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and, and he was going through... He, he went through his reasonings for supporting all these teams. Did he? He got back. He did. He, he he did. And good for you. But let me say this. I, I think, and thank you for writing, Thaddeus. I, I, I'm not going to read the whole email. Great he name. has good reasons for some of these. But I would also say this. Gingers, if there's one thing that I can tell you is that if you want to pick a team in any league, in any sport, take your time and be very thorough and, and make it something personal. Winning is not a good enough reason to pick a team. But make it something that sticks out to you. There may be something about the way that they, they play or the way that they do something. But when you pick them, understand that this is a serious decision. You're picking them, but then don't let anyone give you a hard time for being a fan of that team. Whether they win and someone calls you a bandwagon fan, I don't care. Whether they're terrible and they get relegated, that's also going to happen. Be proud of the teams that you support. Be thorough, if you're, especially if you're picking a team in a league in another country and you don't really have a lot of invested. Be thorough with who you pick and, and really think about it. Maybe it's a familiar relationship. Maybe it's how they play the game. Maybe it's, maybe it's, like it, it's, it's just a, a sense of community that you feel with the type of person who supports this team. That's, that's, very, that's a very real thing. But once you do, own up to it. Don't be ashamed of it. Thank you for sharing why you like these teams, Thaddeus. I respect that and I appreciate it. I encourage you, Gingers, don't be ashamed to support a team that's unpopular to support, whether they're a front runner or whether they're, they're dragging up the rear. Because here's the thing. Newcastle's going to get relegated for the, second, <laughs> for the second time in my fandom of them. That, that's, it's just going gonna to happen. So just, just be very thoughtful with, with the teams that you support because it, it, you shouldn't be ashamed. Take pride, take pride in the fandom that you have. Was that quiet time with Alex? It almost was, right? Maybe you need a segment. Except Goodness. I'm kind of loud. There's nothing quiet about it, if I'm totally yeah, honest. That's, that's the truth. I bet your neighbors complain just Ways that talking. you can get in touch with us, gingers, at Straight Red Pod on Twitter. That's the show. At Jeff is Famous on Twitter. That's Jeff. At Alex S. Kibler on Twitter. That's me. Straight Red at iCloud.com. Straight Red Podcast on Instagram and Straight Red on Facebook. Just because we need to tone it down a notch, it's now time with Quiet Time with Jeff. What, Jeff, what do, you, what do you got out there for the gingers who are out there? For some reason, I'm always entertained when you claim that they're lonely. But <laughs> um, uh, so this weekend, Gingers, uh, I will be in New York. Yeah, and not only will I be in New York, I will be in Alex Kibler's guest room. Yes, because Alex Kibler it does well enough that he lives in a place where he has a guest room. He's a room that's unoccupied. It's more like a guest closet, but yes. yeah, it has a bed. Listen, beggars can't be choosers. But <laughs> I am going to be. And Alex Kibler's guest room. And what I want to know from you, Gingers, is what secrets from <laughs> Alex's home do you want to know about? I have this feeling there's going to be periods of time where we're going to be on different schedules so I can snoop around. Yeah. See what I can find out. Yeah. 
you got any theories, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Jeff is famous. That's, in fact, the only way I want you to speak to me. But, but let me know. Because I'm telling you, this man has skeletons in a closet. And I'm going to find him. Just, uh, okay. As long as you don't <laughs> find the, uh, no, I don't have anything funny to say. That's, that's how it is most weeks. And on that bombshell, it's time to end. Right? That's a solid bomb. <laughs> Go forth and soccer gingers. Yeah.